If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 14. We've been kind of following Jesus over the last couple of weeks. And so I want us to look again at Jesus having a meal with Pharisees. And Pharisees, again, are some of the religious leaders of the day. And these are the experts in the law. And so a Pharisee would have other Pharisees at their table. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 14 and just keep your Bible open to Luke chapter 14 for the rest of our time together. Let's look first just at verse 1. It says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. And I wanted to pause there because I want us to stop and recognize Now, the Pharisees, like I say, religious leaders, they're deeply devoted to God. They're deeply devoted to doing everything they can that will please God. And they see Jesus teaching in the synagogues, talking about the kingdom of God, deeply devoted to God. And so they see Jesus as kind of one of themselves. But we have to remember that the Pharisees, they were separate they were separate from sin or they they wanted to separate themselves from sin and they wanted to separate themselves from sinners they wanted to separate themselves from anything that did not please God and Jesus comes along and he breaks the very rules that they have been teaching help you please God In order to be clean, you would need to wash your hands. And then Jesus comes along and says, hey, it's not as much about your hands as it is your heart. What's inside of you? It's not always focusing on the outside. Look at what's inside. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, the Pharisees would teach. And then Jesus is in the synagogue and people who know that Jesus has healing powers People who are sick come to him. And so we see this conflict after conflict after conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. And so they are watching him closely, the scripture says. And so then look what happens in verse 2. A man suffering from an abnormal swelling of the body was there. Now, how would anybody know that you have an abnormal swelling of the body? I mean, we assumption would be is this man is clothed, so how would you know that? And so it makes me think, well, maybe it was in his hands or his feet, his ankles. And the man doesn't come to Jesus and say, heal me, because he knows it's the Sabbath and he knows that he's in the home of a Pharisee. He knows what the rules are and what they've taught. And so Jesus is probably scanning the room and he sees this man walk in. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone, maybe you yourself have been one who had swelling of your feet, swelling of your ankles. I mean, it it looks painful. I mean, it looks like the skin is going to break open. And to walk, it's unsteadiness. And you can see the pain that sometimes crosses their face. And so Jesus out of compassion the man doesn't ask for anything Jesus turns to the experts and this is the way I picture it and you can read the scripture yourself and see how you picture it I picture that Jesus walks over to the man puts his hand on his shoulder 
looks him eye to eye, and then turns back to the Pharisees. And look at what it says in verse 3 and 4. Jesus asked the lawyers and the Pharisees, does the law allow healing on the Sabbath or not? But they said nothing. In that moment, in their silence, verse 4 continues and says, Jesus took hold of the sick man, cured him, and then let him go. You can almost picture that the swelling begins to go down. Joy begins to return to his face. Maybe the skin begins to look a little more like normal. I've said it over and over again. What you see in Scripture when you follow Jesus along, especially in those interactions with the Pharisees, is it's not the rules that matter. It's the people that matter. Jesus, out of his compassion, didn't worry about the rule of what he could do on Sabbath. He said, this is, this is what's in the best interest of the people. Now, I'll tell you that Claire and I, which may be surprising to those who are joining in online that, that knew us in a different time in our life, Claire and I both are, are rule followers. We appreciate structure and rules. But is there a time? Is there a time to break a rule? Yesterday, when I received the phone call, the message about the family member who had become ill. My first, just being honest with you, my first reaction was, I'll double up my mask. I won't tell anybody. I'll stay away from everyone. And we'll have church just like normal. Because that's what we do on Sunday mornings. And I called Claire and Claire, I tell you all the time that Claire is the wiser of the two. And Claire said, you wouldn't want anybody else to do that. See, the rule, is the rule more important or are people more important? I wouldn't want anything that I do to get any of you sick. That's what weighs on you. So out of compassion, the rule, or is it people? I mean, we teach our children, I hope you do, we teach our children not to lie. We teach our grandchildren not to lie. And it's biblical, right? We're not supposed to lie, we're not supposed to bear false witness. If you go back and read in history, during Nazi Germany, Christians, followers of Jesus, would hide some of the Jewish neighbors in their homes. Nazis would come through and they would ask them a question. Do you have any Jews living in your home, hiding in your home? No, they would say. That was a lie. Is that okay? Which would please God? And I'm not suggesting that we break rules for our own selfish. That, that, that is, by nature, a selfish act, by our own interest and what makes us feel good to us. What we see Jesus doing, what I believe we are called to do, is out of compassion for other people. We are to let people matter more than a rule. But Jesus teaches other things in this story. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. 
When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. Now, the seat of honor would be what we would believe, and scholars would tend to agree that it's in the seat opposite the speaker. So you're able to see better. You're able to, to hear what's going on and interact in a good space. And so Jesus is watching the people trying to bump into getting into the best seat. And he says, if you're in the kingdom of God, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to seek after the lowest seat. Look at what it says in verse 11, because that's where we find his point. All who lift themselves up will be brought low. And those who make themselves low will be lifted up. I want you to hear this church because this is important for us. The virtue that we are supposed to seek after is to lower ourselves and elevate others. Others before self. And let's be honest, that is completely contrary to everything that we see in our culture. Everything. Let me ask you a question, and you don't have to respond on Facebook to this because I know the answer. How many of you have ever went to a concert and you specifically wanted an obstructed view? How many of you go on a cruise ship and you look after the room that has the window where the lifeboat is in front of you? Booster clubs at sports in, in, in schools, they always have the best seats on the 50-yard line. That's where they pay their money to be able to have. We even do it in church. We look for what's the most comfortable seat and the best seat in the house. We're all familiar with this because this is almost always what we see in our culture. And Jesus says, not in the kingdom of God. Because when we put self above others, we have a tendency to push people down. I love, if you watched the funeral for Isaac yesterday, I love what one of the family members said, that he struggled with being able to pronounce the word prejudiced. And, and what was interesting was what he said after that, which was, that was just a foreign concept to Isaac. It was how anyone could see someone else less than. Read this story. Do you put yourself above others or others above yourself? Verse 12, the scripture goes on. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited them, when you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame and blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. Now, I love this idea. I don't live it. I mean, if I'm going to have people over for dinner, I'm going to have typically people in my family, people I know, friends, acquaintances that we want to invite into the house. But when I read this, I do think this is 
part of what Jesus is trying to teach us about how we live in the kingdom of God. It talks about the fact that you, you move and work towards people who can't, you can't expect something in return. To do ministry to people who can't necessarily repay you, can't necessarily thank you. See, we tend to always think about doing something in terms of doing something for someone who can do something back for me. Last week, I just briefly mentioned this ministry of souls for souls. In essence, that's what we're talking about. You going into your closet, finding gently used pairs of shoes, and you bringing them up here, and they're going to people who literally have no shoes. These are people who are not necessarily ever going to be walking up to you and saying thank you. You probably will never know where they go. You'll never know whether the person that received the shoes, it was justified or not. I think Jesus says in the kingdom of God, that's ministry. Versus trying to do something where someone can tell me thank you. Over the last five years, I have encouraged you to get involved in the soccer field, the soccer ministry. And what we tend to think of is we tend to think we'll get involved so that more people will come into this place. More people will come in to worship. That's still expecting a return. I'm going to go down so that people see me and they'll come in to worship. What if we flip it? What if we just got involved in recreation ministry for the sole purpose of just loving on the people who are trying to have a safe space for their kids to play a game and have fun? What if there was no expectation for a return? Jesus' final point we see in verse 15, when one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks about putting others for their self, when one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. Now we have to remember that God's kingdom, God's reign was thought about as something that would occur in the future, like what we would envision heaven. But when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, Jesus talks about it being in the here and now. And so we read in verse 16, Jesus replied, a certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. When it was time for the dinner to begin, he sent his servant to tell the invited guest, come, the dinner is now ready. One by one, they all began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a farm and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five teams of oxen and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. It's interesting that when a certain someone is holding a banquet, as it is in other places in Scripture, that certain someone is God. And over and over again, what we see is a banquet is a metaphor. Metaphor for heaven. And it's this idea that God feeds us. So we see that God has prepared a banquet and has invited all of us to come to his table and eat. But they all made excuses. They were all too busy to come to the table. All of their excuses seem legitimate. I got married. I have a farm I've got to take care of. I've got work that I've got to do. I wonder how many of us 
or making excuses. Too busy to pray. We started this year with a prayer challenge. We had a lot of you sign up for it. How many of us were just too busy to pray? We don't understand scripture, so we're too busy to try to figure it out. I'm too busy to go into my closet and look for a pair of shoes. I don't have time to drive up and put it in the box. I'm too busy to get involved in ministry. Or I'm involved in this, so I don't want to do that. How many of us are too busy for God? And listen, today is an obvious example that we need to be very careful. And I want everybody to be comfortable for health purposes when they come back in for worship. But after being gone for a year, how many of us might make an excuse to just stay at home and not worship in this place? It's just a question we have to ask ourselves. Are we too busy for God? I want you to hear something today. All of us to be reminded as we read this story. There is a God who invites you to a seat at the table. A God who has compassion. A God who has mercy. A God who loves you. A God who has prepared it. Are you too busy? Wrestle with that as we try to live out who God is calling us to be. And so before we receive communion today, I just want to invite you to close your eyes wherever you are. And I'm going to say a simple prayer that I have written for myself. And I invite you to either say it with me, say it out loud as repetition, or just say it in your head as you hear me. Pray with me. Lord, help me have compassion like you have compassion. Lord, help me to put people before rules. Lord, help me choose the lowest place at the table. Lord, help me to humble myself in your sight. Lord, help me to serve others before myself. Lord, forgive me for the times I've been too busy. Too busy to pray. Too busy to listen. Too busy to worship. Too busy to serve. Lord, help me focus on the one thing that is most important. Lord, help me love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, help me to love my neighbor 
and to see and hear the cries of the needy. In your holy name we pray. Amen.